Happy New Year, everyone. I'm Mo Ersani, and this is Josh Almada. We are, you know, today going to demonstrate you the installation of our new uh, Spire system called Spire Plus. Just very briefly, this original version of Spire is something that we introduced about uh, five, six years ago, and it has been very successfully used in the last five, six years. We've done a number of projects, both in US and other places, including one major one going on in the uh, port of Melbourne, Australia, right now, where they're repairing about 0.6 miles of their seawall. But this uh, version is really like the, the improvement that it has over the old one was that the old one is just the stay in place FRP form. It doesn't provide any strengthening or reinforcement by itself. Or a way and, to bond. Or, or, or the way to bond to the to cementitious. So this this new product, in fact, yeah. we have, and and yeah, let's show the backside. Uh, this is also uh, Clint Fisher, who is from our, he's our helping us with this demo today. So this is the typical new Spire Plus system, the new one. The panels are about three feet wide or 900 millimeter, and they come in various lengths, whatever length the project requires. On the back, on the, this side of it, you see that we have these T-profiles every 100 millimeter or four inch on center. There's one of these T-profiles. And, the, and this surface is also coated with epoxy and sand, so it's grit coated. And the, the function of what this is really nice about this is that this form not only serves as a stay-in-place form, but it is also these T-profiles are acting like the reinforcing steel that you would need in any structure. So, and, and in fact, the, what this provides is amazing. I thought I'd show you with this uh, visual here. Oh, oh so, so, so yeah. you can see, this is, yeah, Josh, if you yeah, hold, I'll, it, I'll just hold, it, hold it like that. So this panel is equivalent to, one of these panels is equivalent to having number five grade 60 rebars at two and a half inch on center just like you see here or for our international friends these are like 15 millimeter diameter 400 megapascal at the spacing of about 65 millimeter so you really you can't even as you can see you couldn't even put your fist through a wall that was reinforced with so much steel so it's you know it's far more reinforcement than most likely you would need or you have seen on any of your projects so now today, we are going to uh, show the install. To show the install. So this panel, because we, you know, maybe just before we do that, we'll show you that this this panel has already been installed. You know, uh, as these get installed uh, every you know three foot by three foot, the panels get installed. So this one has been installed. We'll focus mostly on the second one. So you see, so the overlapping joints. We have these sealants that you see. The sealants come. In a, you know, you'll, you'll be receiving these, they come in a coil like this about, you know, 25 feet, seven, eight meter of them in, in a coil. And then you cut this thing and- So you, like, can, yeah, you can either apply it. So that goes over the overlapping joint. Right here, now we know that this might be in the water. So obviously you can put it on the backside of that panel where it's gonna meet up, but you know, you put the, and so. So the, the panel, you know, these, uh, these are, about half inch by half inch or 12 by 12 millimeter square. But as you put it install it, you can see it's pliable. And as you squeeze it, it, it squishes itself, becomes a little bit flat. Uh, and then we also have some self-drilling screws that 
we utilize on this lap that will also squeeze this out even further. So we'll show that here in one second. So Josh, you want to tell them a little bit about, so these, all of these panels, they get installed yeah. with these elbows. So, so the most the way they do it is obviously on steel, if you have good steel, you're going to punch a hole through the, uh, through the steel. Some of the divers burn a hole down below, but eventually they're going to stick the elbow through in there and put a, a washer and a, a nut on there to secure it in place. So that's typically how these came. Now we typically have two sizes of this, which it's going to be about uh, a three footer bent or about an 18 inch bent. There's times that you might have to come on this side. Uh, it depends on your steel or, um, and you got to remember it's not just steel on concrete. We've used wedged anchors or redheads, things like that. Um, and then timber also has its own, uh, unique ways to uh, anchor, but for the most part, this is how we have anchored the the panels to the wall. There's only been one other case where I actually used uh, particular self tappers, but there was a one inch annulus on that job, and that one actually we built the panels to the size of it. But that was a unique situation. So yeah, so with these you have now the the in, uh, also as as the installers you notice that this other set of washer and uh, nut that is here, this defines your standoff distance and how far away you are. So, so in this case, you know, we can adjust that how far you want to go in and out. Now, splash zone repair. So if you're going to mud line, we're not worrying about obviously the ceiling at the bottom. Goes at the, to the bottom. But yeah, there's been cases, obviously we'll do some splash zone repairs. And the way that we do it before you put this nut washer on, we put an eye bolt on there because eventually this piece of uh, wood or whatever you utilize, will come up and cinch up the bottom to plug it up for your initial uh, plug. So we currently have this on here right now. This is a 12 inch eyeball. Yeah, these are just, you know, typical. Anything uh, works, uh, we determine uh, just by grout wise, you, you can get away with a quarter inch, but uh, more than likely something like this would be easier for a diver. Josh, you know, maybe this is also a good point to mention to them that the spacing of these anchors, they're typically about you know, on a three foot by three foot grid or roughly one meter by one meter, those would be included in our, you know, shop drawings for the project. So you can see if there are increases or not. And usually as far as supporting these, uh, the bottom seal, if you do it, every other one of these is good enough. So roughly every six feet, you need to hang one of these. Uh, here, because it's a smaller piece, we have them actually one on this one and on this one. But in a real job, you could have skipped this one and moved on to the to the next. So, like Bo told you, the 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 spacing of this is, you know, it's engineered on. You know, we're transferring back to this original wall, but at the same time, even the thickness of these rods are. So uh, we've gone with five eighths or three quarters, but five eighths will work for what we do, uh, stainless. So this is kind of our typical setup. And so I think right now would be a good yeah. time. Let's put this uh, panel on. So um, you want to get on that side, I'll get on this side. There. All right. So first off, yeah, we'll... Uh, Oh, actually, you know, hand me this. A good time to mention too. The washers that we put on the outside, these are FRP washers, so stay consistent with the system. I'm trying to keep as non-corrosive as possible. I understand we're putting uh, these steel in there, but 
this is uh we we do sell these washers that go with the system when we're putting this on yeah the, the washer is basically the same exact construction as as the you know the thickness of the spire plus laminate itself so it's about uh, roughly 0.2 inch in thickness and the same material same color so aesthetically it gives you a good appearance. and then you want to help me to self-drilling screws yeah. so typically when we hit the lap um i had what i just got at home depot here but the text uh the number 12s inch and a half and they have to be self-drilling just it helps go through it the self-tapping half a point the self-drilling um they have the blades at the end so this is what we use and then uh let's so typically we would do a pattern maybe eight inches apart but we'll kind of stagger it and, and you see as he's drilling them that you know this uh, sealant becomes flat and you know creates a nice watertight joint between the two panels. Now, now comes, so this is good. We've got, already got the panel installed. Now comes the part that a lot of you have had questions, you know, both with the, even with the earlier spire that was flat, but especially with this one, because it has those T profiles, it is kind of difficult, we realize that to, you know, people always wonder, how do you seal the bottom of this? So that's what the, this process is. Yeah, so we brought up the eye bolt. Now, obviously, we've even had our own crews go out there and do it cell by cell. That might take more time, but I mean, uh, you know, if you can get away with it, yeah, this we're going to try to do one piece. And then you do stick out, so you're not worried about this tucking in. So the measurement there is okay, but the profile here, you're going to hope that you kind of get as close as possible. So. Um, we're going to go into these. Those eye bolts that you saw, so the eye bolts actually penetrate through this plate at the bottom, the base plate, and with a washer and a wing nut, you, from the bottom underside, you cinch it, up, cinch it tight against the bottom of the annular space. So that, as you can see, it just comes up and you can tighten that. You know, th this piece could be several feet or meters long as long as you want to go over multiple cells you could also uh, cover it with uh, plastic if you plan to reuse it and then afterwards after the grouting operation you can remove that and use it but you can see that how how this is done so pay attention though that this is sticking out so that the edge of the spire to uh, spire plus panel is sitting on this and uh, then it is being hung from those anchor bolts the um, the next step once you've got this you know then the next step of course is to place the grout and the grouting you know we uh, as as any of you you know who have worked on these you realize that the original uh, sheet pile the steel sheet piles they are not perfectly installed either you know during the original installation you might have a little bit of discrepancy between the dimensions so you're not going to get a perfect fit between this board and, and the, the, the original you know, steel sheet pile. But that's okay because at this stage, what we require is that at the bottom elevation, we put in a, uh, an epoxy grout, not the regular cementitious grout yet. So that epoxy grout would 
gently flow and fill any tiny holes or gaps that you have. You usually want to put that in there for about, you know, five, six inches thickness. So that would probably come up to just right above that elevation. You know, we, we want to put this first row of bolts, like this one and this one. These would be at about uh, six, about four inches or, you know, 100 millimeter from the bottom. And then when you pour the first layer of epoxy grout, you want to come to just encapsulate this one in there. So what this does is that not only you create a tight seal at the bottom and, and uh, for, for your further addition of the, the grout, but that epoxy grout also, once you remove, if, if you were to remove this, that creates an impervious barrier so there is no um, water getting later on through the into the concrete from the bottom of this. We do the same type of epoxy grout seal also at the very top, you know, for a couple of inches at the top. So the, this is done at the bottom. It creates the seal. It is now supporting the entire structure. And now once you place that, you're ready to fill, fill the rest and, of the annular space. And the grouting would be kind of typical. Uh, those of you who've used our pilometric jackets know that we have special ports for those jackets, but that's because the way that jacket's installed, this can use a typical port because you do have access to the backside to put the nut on. So obviously the best is gonna use like a two inch port or something like that to get the grout in there quicker or tremi is kind of obviously yeah. the quickest way. Uh, most jobs we have, we're not breaking bags for uh, these types of installs. The trucks are coming on and uh, we're pumping it in. So uh, as far as grouting, it's nothing special, kind of what you probably have dealt with before or seen before. It's really, my, you know, my own preference is actually to use the Tremi method because you don't need to worry about pumps and, you know, putting ports in here and more holes, uh, more holes in it. And, you know, this is then, then you have a nice, smooth, you know, finished surface at the end. And the only thing with, you know, with the Tremi method is that if you follow like the ACI rules, that you have to make sure that the tip of your nozzle that you're discharging the concrete always stays in that concrete that is coming out so that you don't give a chance for the seawater that is in there to blend with that concrete. And if you do it that way, then that same water just gets pushed up to the top. And once it comes to the top, that water spills over and you have a nice, you know, nice uh, grout placed in there. And, uh, and then again, you know, as, as we said, at the very top of it, maybe for like a couple of inches of it, you can put, finish that with, a, uh, uh, with an epoxy grout. And the other, right? A question that comes to my mind that you guys might have is uh, obviously it's in a flat piece, but how do we turn yeah. things like that? We're gonna have corner pieces. We have the inside of that and uh, the 45 that will get these these turns that you need for your uh, job. We've dealt with it a lot already with our existing panels. Yeah, yeah. This is the so this also you know like one of the things that um, for example for some of these larger marine uh, mooring cell structures that are these are typically very large circular or, or you know, some wavy shapes that um, have very large uh, uh, radius or diameter of bend. In those cases, keep in mind that when you take these panels, you know, with the overlap portion of it, if, when, when they are overlapped, if you turn them just like giving it about one degree or so twist like that, you know, over that overlap portion, you can accommodate or you know end up with a very large circular uh, like a tank or a circular structure uh, but uh, you know by 
basically putting a lot of three foot segments together to create a, a 40 or 50 foot diameter circle. And that can be done by just giving a little bit of it, uh, you know, one or two degree turn, you know, at this uh, joint that, that we have here. Uh, you know, we, today, we, you know, we are here really because we, we wanted to focus mostly on repair of seawalls because that's, that's, you know, especially with this bottom seal is something that a lot of you had questions with. But this product has so many other applications. So, for example, you can repair the, let's say, in, in the marine industry, if you have a deck or a beam in a, a port or pier that is corroded, you can assemble these together with some corner 90 degree elements. So you can make like a box shape that would be then lifted up from the underside, secured with a few bolts into your beam, and then the annular space is filled. Now, doing it that way, you have your formwork in place, you have all of your rebar already in place, and we just with one quick operation, you can fix those. And these will remain in place permanently to protect the structure from future exposure to seawater and, and uh, you know, maybe corrosion. We, maybe we touch on a little bit. Uh, what was exciting for us was how we did test it. You know, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> what happened when we were testing it, because to us, that was... That was really exciting. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so when you know when we were testing, we we made some beams out of this. We cut basically a piece of this, which was uh, eight inches wide. So it included two of these T profiles, about you know the um, roughly nine, ten foot long, and we poured concrete on it. So this became like the bottom of a uh, formwork. We put some wood formwork around it, poured four inch thick concrete in there, or hundred millimeter thickness, and then took that beam and tested it in our, in our lab. And, uh, you know, we have the results of that on our website on climatemedic.com. If you go, you can see the test result. But we, we basically, uh, it, it took, you know, after 9,000 pounds of load that we were applying to that small beam, that's where we realized that it is so strong. And it, in fact, it ended up damaging our testing. <laughs> so, so now we are looking at continuing the test at some, you know, maybe at the University of Arizona. On, on campus, taking it over there, but but it is it has yeah. tremendous uh, strength, you know. And well, uh, it's exciting to see something. Well, we because even I asked you when we started testing is what did you what did you expect it to go? And then it went way beyond that. Yeah, so it, I, it, it, it's, that was cool to see. We we had an expectation somewhere, and it just took off from there. So you know, because because we know you know the strength of the panel itself, we know, but because its interaction with concrete only comes through the bond between this grid-coded surface. So we really, it was difficult to see, for example, would this bottom flat panel, would it be fully engaged with the concrete or not? The T-profiles, you know, we kind of knew they would be, but, but the, even the bottom plate contributed a lot to the load carrying capacity. So that's really why we were all uh, amazed at how well this product is doing. You know, and, and now as we are looking at this, we are finding a lot of, other applications for this. So for example, if you are building even away from marine infrastructure, let's say if you're building a retaining wall for any project, you could use these as your stay in place form. Uh, once you pour your footing and you have the typical uh, steel uh, starter bars coming out of your footing for a couple of feet, then these can be put in place as your stay in place formwork. You would, of course, for a retaining wall, you would use two of them, you know, in front of each other like that. And then, you know, they would be connected with some through bolts held together like so. And you pour your concrete here. Now you have a wall that has 
so much steel, as I showed you before, is far more than any retaining wall requires. You have your formwork, your rebar, all uh, in, in one uh, application, and you have your waterproofing method. Because you have this system, there's not going to be any waterproofing. So, so you do you know, three things with, with one application. And, uh, and of course, the other benefit of all of these systems is that there is nothing that corrodes in this system. So these repairs or construction of a retaining wall like that would last you virtually forever. And that's, that's really the main contribution. Well, we even came across projects where we had to encapsulate the, the sheet piling because they didn't, it wasn't utilized as a wall, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like out, we had a project in Florida where they had to use paneling on both sides. But you're relying on if you don't have these T's, you're relying on the these types of bolts that are sticking out to sandwich it. Or if we have these and you're encapsulating a sheet pile that's by itself, it just provides you so much, so much more. Yeah, uh, more so strength. Yeah. we absolutely see that a lot too, where yeah. you have to encapsulate uh, just the actual sheet pile with nothing behind it, and it's on its own. So this is pretty much really what we wanted to uh, yeah if anyone has any questions share with uh, Cameron, today. You don't, if anyone has any questions uh, uh, feel free to ask but yeah for the most part uh, we wanted to have some kind of visual on how we install it um, we obviously have some design documentation online for yeah samples, exactly right? yeah we have all of our design specifications and typical drawings. They're on pilemedic.com website. We encourage you, if they're yeah. you know, our engineering friends are on, the, on the call, you can uh, look at those, download them, you know, put them in your drawings. Uh, we were actually uh, surprised that unbeknownst to us, the port of Dubai had taken one of those drawings from our website and included it on, on the uh, project documents for uh, about 2,000 feet repair or 600 meter of one of the uh, seawalls at the port of Dubai. So, you know, feel free to use them. They're all for, you know, to make your life easier. Uh, and, and again, if you have any questions, uh, you could either uh, email us. We have, yeah. or if you go to our website, palmedic.com, again, you know, there, there's a click uh, button that you could click and submit any questions that you yeah, have I, or set up a, a free consultation. My name's Frank Burroughs. Can you hear me? Yes. I, yeah. Okay, I, I'm 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 a little un, I'm I'm not an engineer and I, I'm just the the, the uh, a user, but I, I'm unclear as to this piece, the two pieces you showed just before you you ended, that, that where they fit into this. In other words, I what I, are you what, talking about? These are just sample pieces. Yeah, exactly. How does that? Fit? I mean, I can I understand the rest of it, but I don't understand where do they go and where where do they attach. Oh, this is just a sample piece of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, okay. this okay. thing is when, when I, 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 we cut these so that I can put it on my carry-on bag when I yeah. travel to trade right, okay. or okay. need to conference to show pieces. That's it. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We just cut a piece off of this. Yeah. But it would never be installed like that. I mean, okay. it would always have a <laughs> yeah. sheet like this. Okay. The second question is, it, it, when you obviously, when you're filling it with concrete, um, we've got big holes in, in, in this steel bulkhead. So... The concrete, if you don't do anything, I guess it's going to go in in behind the wall. So how do you? you yeah, I, yeah, I hear you exactly. So really, a couple of things to keep in mind. You, you're you're exactly correct. A lot of these old, uh, a lot of these old uh, sheet piles, if they have not been attended to for a long time, they have big holes in them where where the backfill is coming out of it. You can find that also by if you look at, for example, if they're like up above, you know, if there's like a 
the land has, it seems like there is a dip in the land, water is collecting there, that's a good sign that something is, you know, seeping out of the bottom and so you have that cavity created in the wall. So that really has to be filled. So you could, before doing this, you could, you know, as you're before or during the installation, you could fill the, you know, with that concrete would fill that. It may not be able to push itself up to fill all of the cavities there, in which case, once you fill the, you know, repair the wall, then you would want to go from like the parking level above or the ground level above to address that issue separately. But uh, the other way, if you don't want any of the grout to get into the, you know, into the, uh, behind this, the existing seawall, you could, you know, connect like a sheet pile or some like any kind of product or a screen or like a pile medic laminate or, you know, just a flat panel that you could screw to your, uh, if, if you don't want any of your concrete grout to get behind it. Yeah. I, I hope I answered your question. I don't know if, I, you, if that was. Yes, you did. And I guess the last question is the, the only thing that's holding that together is the bolts, right? I mean, so basically um, there's nothing coming. There's no attachment to this, the, uh, uh, to the. Yes, the yes, you are, you know, you are right. So, so really for most cases, you know, this is, uh, this depends, you know, from application to application is a little bit different. So here we were showing you what, what is the most common problem, which is you have a potentially a very tall seawall and only a few feet of it over the splash zone get damaged. So this repair would go, let's say, for example, if you have um, five or six foot of corrosion damage in the midsection of the height of this wall, you would go a couple of feet above that, a couple of feet below that, and install it, repair it like that. And this would be connected this way. There are other cases where you may have to strengthen the wall. And in those cases, then we will look at, for example, how we can tie this, you know, maybe on some jobs, there might be a dead man or, or a, you know, a, an anchor point in the wall system that goes uh, several meters or feet into the, you know, the ground beyond, beyond the seawall. So we would have to tie this into that. Those become a little bit more, I mean, they can easily be done, you know, but it is something that on a case by case, we would have to do the engineering well, for that. Yeah, and to expand on that, I mean, I take a calls all the time that um, with these seawalls, it, it, it just depends. When you call us, we're going to ask a few questions. Is the dead man still in good shape? Do you have a cap on top? So we've had jobs where we've had them dial to the cap on top. Uh, there's been footings up below. I mean, if they have it. We might actually, and it's a structural job, we might ask them to dial into those too. So it might change by case by case. Now there has, I dealt with one recently where the dead man wasn't there. And they actually, uh, there's uh, companies out there that will actually drill into the side and actually attach a new dead man in. Um, it's newer technology, yeah, but, but they can do that and then leave the stuff outward that we would actually kind of create a whaler on the outside of our panel. But it's not going to have like this one brush that goes over everything. Uh, you are, that's why we do provide the design uh, documentation in case we have these unique situations. Yeah. But there's a lot that are, are kind of common with these ones like this with the steel. You know, the one thing that I forgot to mention was the weight of these. These panels, they weigh about 3.2 pounds per square foot or 15 kilograms per square meter, roughly. And that's really one of the advantages is that even a 
bigger panel, especially when you take it in water because of buoyancy. So two divers could hold a panel of, you know, say like three foot wide by 10, 12 foot long easily. It would be only like 100 pounds, which in water it would be even much lighter. So they can carry it and without the need for any crane or heavy lifting equipment. As you, some of you who are doing these types of jobs, you realize that in many cases, the wall, you may have above, for example, the pier itself and the, you know, and, and the, uh, uh, the bumpers and so on, they might be extending out here. So if you're repairing this wall under the pier, it would be very difficult to use a crane to lower, like if you're using some heavy material, you know, you would have to lower it, but you can't access the wall that easily. That Port of Dubai project, for example, that I mentioned, you one of their concerns is that the wall that is being repaired is about four meters or roughly, you know, 14, 15 feet away from the access point. So, you know, you couldn't reach that wall with like lowering something from above with a crane. And that's one of the advantages of this that is very lightweight and you can handle it by hand. Uh, got any other questions? Josh, I got a ton. This is Dirk DeGroote. Um, so do, do these act like, so with a cementitious or epoxy grout, <clears throat> do these act like composite members or is this, I mean, when, when I'm pitching this as a solution to a customer, are they going to get any, is their existing sheet pile wall going to get any strength add? Yeah, I, I think I heard the question. Is existing so, seawall going to get strength yeah. by it being a composite together? So, so really that, uh, that depends on the choice of, you're right. If, if we use an epoxy grout, then this, you know, we can assume, and it is a fair assumption that this whole panel is fully bonded to that, uh, you know, to the original steel sheet part. So that, yes, that becomes a part of the strengthening system. Uh, the same thing, for example, if you're repairing a bridge beam, if you put this and you put, you know, uh, you do fill it with epoxy grout, that does that. But there's also another option to keep in mind. So the making a composite action of, so to, to which is really to uh, make sure that the force of this panel gets transferred to your host structure, that can be done by two ways. One is, as you mentioned, to use an epoxy grout. The other one is if the surface of the original structure is rough enough, like I'm thinking of mostly like concrete decks, for example, like a job that we are just about finishing in the port of Galveston. And so in that job, for example, we sandblasted the surface of the you know, the surface of the concrete itself was rough, but we even roughened it a little bit more to a surface profile six, according to the ACI rules. And so with that kind of surface profile, then you get a good bond transfer that even if you fill it with regular concrete rather than epoxy grout, you get to transfer the load. In addition to that, if that, you know, if you are going with the lower cost concrete filler material and you find out that uh, you don't have enough of the transfer of the load that can be supplemented by adding a few additional anchor bolts that would be bolted through the spire plus panel and penetrating into the host structure. So those are again some of the things that uh, we calculate on our you know on our design package that we provide um, 
but if you have any specific uh, applications like that in mind, please let us know and I can. You know, yeah, I can more push. than likely in a case like that, you would call us and let us know what you have and uh, our engineers would look at it and then tell you how we would achieve that. And then that's how you would approach your client um, yeah. if it's a unique situation. But if we have, like we said, a dead man's good, you have a cat maybe to dial in, we're putting these panels on and we're putting, uh, you know, the grout behind and that's strong. I mean, there, there, there's like another thing that I know we have that in our, uh, on our uh, drawings on our, on the website, if you look at it as an, one option is that, so if you have really a very severely deteriorated seawall that cannot take any load, one possibility is that you would, uh, if, you know, if the site conditions allow, you could drive some new steel H parts into the water a few inches away from that old wall and then have these panels run in this case horizontally. So the panels would be not, you know, not typically we right now we are putting them vertically. In that application, the panels would be running horizontally from one H pile to the next to the next. So you create a, in the horizontal direction, you create a very strong beam that now in this case, this can be designed to take the load of that, uh, you know, serve as your new seawall, totally independent of the original wall, even if it is fully deteriorated. So for some extreme cases, there are different ways of using that. Perfect. Uh, so I, you talked about sandblasting, but under normal conditions, are you, is there any face uh, sheet? And I guess these are, these questions are all pertaining to underwater. Uh, any um, sheet pile face preparation? I mean, do, can you just yeah. SPC? That, that's in our, it is in our specification. Yeah. And obviously there's two, there's a. Yeah, they, they are, you know, they, for the underwater, you can achieve that rough surface by chipping, you know, uh, and, and getting rid of the, you know, the, make, making the surface really rough. Luckily in, in some of these structures that we work on, you know, because they are so severely corroded that you have so much you know, damage to the concrete that you already have a very rough surface. But, you know, but I think this is maybe a good point to, uh, you know, remind you that, for example, comparing, if you're repairing a, let's just take a bridge girder, if you're repairing a corroded bridge, concrete bridge girder, a conventional repair with FRP, for example, you have to patch that repair area, you know, patch it with concrete, make a smooth surface, wait for that patching material to dry, and then come back later on and apply your FRP to that. In this case, the nice thing is that you can start with that rough corroded surface and virtually with very little or no surface preparation. In fact, with this product, the rougher the surface is, the better it is because we like it to be bonding better to a rough surface. So you could start with that rough surface with no surface preparation, bring these, connect them, you know, bolt them or, you know, maybe the box shape, put it around it and then fill it with grout. And I they, think they, the, part of the question was, if I'm correct, was uh, the steel surface prep, right? Underwater, yeah, so that, that's... Uh, depending on the job. So in, in our spec, we have it where if it's relying on the bond or not relying on the bond. Off the top of my head, yeah. it's W2, uh, WJ2 and WJ4. Uh, four is just where you kind of surface prep, re remove loose material. Two is where you get toward near white, which, I know it's we difficult, yeah. but that's where you would call for an epoxy type of material where you're going on it. Yeah. Cementitious, we're just saying loose material. And we do have it in our spec that is on the website. 
If you go to our uh, spec, you're going to see there's a surface prep methods, there's a steel, concrete, and a wood section. And then they, they do have the codes, like I said, that's all uh, from NACE. So yeah, that is that. Well, we, we really, but, but uh, you know, all, all of the jobs that we have done on steel sheet piles, you know, the, the surface prep is just like Josh was saying, just a minimal to remove the loose material. It doesn't really require any, uh, because again, this, the, you know, in, uh, in the jobs that we have done so far, where the purpose has been to protect that surface, this, you know, it, uh, what you're really thinking, uh, you know, think of this as a very thick layer of paint that you're putting in front of you. You know, forget about all of the strength that it provides, but you have a very thick layer of, and with putting this in here, you know, the, the sealant, you have an impervious layer in front of your seawall, which now protects the seawall by not allowing any moisture or oxygen getting through this thing. And by sealing the bottom and sealing the top, you have totally created that space that is now. Uh, you know, uh, inaccessible from uh, moisture or uh, oxygen. So corrosion would come to a very uh, small, almost like a near hull uh, in without, that zone. Without derailing this one, I mean, I it, it's almost every customer I've talked to has a sheet pile wall that is full of holes. By the time by the time they they're gonna you know pay a bunch of money to get it fixed, rare, if ever, is the is the customer or client or port owner, you know, taking a new sheet pile wall that's still healthy and putting a, uh, an FRP system on it, at least that I've, that I've run into. Um, uh, your max, max length on those panels. Do you have a max length? The you maximum might... length of the pack currently, what we have in stock is, uh, have them in 12 foot and 18 foot long pieces in stock. They can be, of course, they, the, the long pieces can be cut to any length that you need. But if, you know, especially for these jobs, you know, since they usually take enough lead time for us, we can make these in any length that you want. In fact, you know, I, I'm looking at a project in uh, Singapore, for example, where the panels are about 40 feet long. So, so they can be made to virtually any length that the client needs, uh, you know, with advanced planning, you know, like, you know, about, Eight, eight to 12 weeks time to, to deliver it to the job site. Now, what I've also seen when it comes to a lot of the customers, I mean, you're correct where a lot of people, it is different to them to go just put something in front of it. But um, a few cases where I've seen like, even doing an epoxy coating on a seawall, especially in the Northwest, yeah. it's expensive just because of even like the EPA rules they have up there to cough or dam it off. and. I mean, epoxy coating is eventually going to crack. So a lot of what I was surprised about when we were pushing this product was how many people are doing it for the prevention of they're not going to go put an epoxy coating on. They want to put a barrier like this over it. That way um, they know that this is not going to crack and allow that oxygen to get back in. And, and the fact that it can be done underwater without coughing, yeah. and that really saves you a lot of But I mean, a, a lot of the other jobs, uh, you know, they, they just don't have that capability of doing something uh like pulling these out and putting new ones in maybe there's you know cap space over it uh we do go we do go a lot of heavy industry uh we did some paper making plant on the chesapeake where they were worried because the seawall was corroding they were worried about the byproduct that they had that was right on the chesapeake river so the epa told them they could they had a cap on there but they were only allowed to go an inch into the river and so we basically built the panel system 
over their seawall, but on the uh, the part that comes out, we only came off an inch. But this was to one help the client preserve their wall, and we did actually strengthen it because we were able to go into the cap. But then we also PZPA because now we have a impervious barrier that does not corrode. So to them, they were like, okay, they're not putting back something that corrodes. They have proven that this will not transmit any oxygen through it. So we did a PZEPA. So I, I don't know if it's always going to be just the client that's going to be a, hey, you know, this, this seawall, uh, you know, the question marks behind it. But you're going to also maybe have other entities that might get involved where this might be a benefit. And, then, you know, there's places where if somebody could put a brand new sheet wall in, maybe that's easier and cheaper. But it's the same with the pile industry for us. You know, when they call, I do ask, can for, you drive a new pile? Because for, it's sometimes it's cheaper to do that to repair them. So uh, exactly. it's not one brush, Never. like we said, that fits everything. But there are a lot of situations where it definitely does help a lot of our clients. That, that's what, I mean, a lot of ours <clears throat> appreciate the, uh, the low impact operations that we will have. Because these things... yeah pretty you know it takes a boat and a small very small barge with a you know yeah we had three. actually i remember the you know our last uh, podcast you know the, the december uh, i went over a design comparison of a design from a major consulting firm that uh, they had designed the repair of a corroded steel uh, sheet part by putting new uh, sheet piles and you know new steel pieces and bolting them and welding them. And I mean, the, the cost of that, uh, in fact, you know, we had, uh, that was brought to us by a contractor that who had already bid and got the job to do it that way. But then when he found out about this system that required no uh, crane on the job site and all of the added benefits and so much easier, yeah. lighter to handle. So now, you know, they're trying to convince, you know, uh, show the owners that this might be a good alternative for that. But but they, yeah, there are definitely, you know, as as Josh was saying, there are definitely some some cases that uh, it might be harder to convince the owners. But but uh, there are, uh, I think, you know, by the most part, this is really a good solution for you know a fair number of projects that that we see. I mean, we've got we got a very large project in the past because we couldn't pull a hot work permit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that you was... got to imagine if you can't pull a hot work permit on a an, an industrial site, well, there goes your welding. Yeah, you know. So then, yeah, will they allow a crane to impact? But that site would never have had that access. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, there's a lot of factors that do play in sometimes where it is a, ne a necessary fix for them. Um, I think, you know, I, we really appreciate everybody's questions and we're grateful for your comments. But, we, you know, we have gone past our time. So, yeah, is there any we, you know, I don't know if, there are, if you have any other questions, please ask us, you know, we, we, but we, how much head can these panels handle? How, how, how much, much what? How much concrete or epoxy head can you handle? Okay, so you're talking about in a single pour. In a single pour. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, let's go over the pour because we did not go over the shoring brackets too, in case. Yeah, no, with, with the old, uh, with the old uh, system, the original Spire, we used to have, and if you look at our website, you see some pictures of the jobs where, where we used to uh, pour the lifts only like four or five feet, four feet maximum at the time, uh, mainly because of the, you know, the anchor bolts that they have, what they could, and, and we didn't want them to bow out so much. So we had these 
whalers that would go across, you know, like uh, two by fours or two by sixes to just to, during uh, the grouting though. Du during the grouting, and then they would have to be removed. This new system, because remember, the old one was just a uh, spire, was just a flat sheet. This one is so much more rigid, and uh, you know that you can really uh, easily go um, eight, ten feet, you know, uh, pours at a time. So, so we can, uh, you know, and and you know, this is something that as we go on and we do some of these jobs, we will update, you know, get more experience on it. But, but definitely, you know, when I look at if you have like uh, in terms of stiffness of this or the mod, you know, the for the rigidity of this in terms of its bowing, the stiffness of this new panel is like 20, 30 times more than the old one. So this is like so rigid that it's not going to deflect, for example, during the operation. And that's also why some of our bolts, they do they do stick out in case you do have to add some yeah, shoring, mem shoring on there. Caps. Um, but what we had done in the past, these would stick out. We would put timber, put the shoring bracket on. Uh, we would tighten that, uh, grout it, and then once we were done, remove it, we would cut the, the bolt off. And then uh, we have someone that's going to bring us a cap real quick. But oh, oh, you have, oh, you have Oh, yeah, I, I had uh, it there. Yeah. So this is actually for, this a job. for a job we just finished out in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So this, this is a really nice, fancy boathouse in Fort Lauderdale. They let me finish. And uh, the owners were picky about the appearance of the finished product. So we custom make these caps that you see, they're made the same color. Once this is cut, it fits right over. Yeah, once this is cut, this exactly fits over that. And so, you know, you cut that and this just uh, with a little bit of epoxy that you put in this like a pocket, fill it with epoxy and push it onto the, you know, into that knot and you, you get a nice uh, cap on and that. We do have underwater epoxy. So, so that, that this is something else that. I had a question for you guys there. Um, just wondering if you could use structural foam in, uh, in that void there in lieu of grouting. I'm sorry, repeat that one more time. If the... I was just, just wondering if, if structural foam would be. Structural uh, foam. Could be We've used. thought about that. Yeah, but, yeah. No, we have. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I know uh, it is tempting if you're only going to use it as a filler material. So any low cost material, would, would, you know, would work. Um, and really, as a as a filler material, I, I don't see anything wrong with it, as long as we, especially if we encapsulate the edges of, you know, the boundary of this with some uh, good, in, you know, impervious material like an epoxy uh, grout, then really what we put in the middle of it, for the most part, is, you know, you could say more or less it's immaterial what you fill it yeah, with. Yeah, we haven't done anything. We've definitely thought about it. We obviously go to trade shows where we see these guys all the time. <laughs> but we haven't had a full seawall done uh, with that. No, it's just been cementitious, and we've done uh, seawalls with epoxy grouts. We asked that question, but we global we have used uh, structural foam to do yeah, okay, but behind the sheet pile wall. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I think that would all depend on the EOR, right? As EOR long as the geotechnical is, is saying this is something that's acceptable exactly. to go over there, because I would assume if you're going to use a structural foam like. Uh, I mean, most of these jobs, I mean, all of them yeah. have engineering on it. So, I, hey, if the EOR is okay with it, and it's a good product, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah, no, thanks for, thanks for answering that. Yeah, you know, again, we really thank yeah, you, everyone, for, yeah, for joining up. us today. You know, uh, we try to have these. So one last question. Oh, go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, so at one place uh, where we had seen that uh, the sheet pie was there, which was badly deteriorated and due to deterioration, their anchoring was also badly deteriorated and they were tilting from the top around two to three inches. So is there anything how we can use this system to uh, regain that uh, sheet pie? So if you know if you have lost all of the anchoring at the top, again, it, it's really you know hard to judge just by you know unless we look at the specific situation. But you may, for example, in some of those cases, it may be unavoidable that once we put these panels in here, you may have to put across the top of it a new like steel H beam or a tube which would be then anchored deep into the soil to, you know, to, pro to provide that, um, you know, the fact that you have lost some of your uh, anchors or, or the dead man is not effective. That, that's really something that has to be looked at. Um, you know, the, uh, it, yeah, I think that really the, the way this is installed right now in this vertical installation like this, you know, this is a, as a cantilever wall, it wouldn't have uh, a lot of strength unless it is being bending this way. And if it's bending this way, it's the, you know, it, it's, uh, well, you know, in, in this way, uh, doesn't have quite as much strength. So, so this is something that I don't want to maybe get confuse everyone with on this podcast, but, but it is, you know, it is a case by case, something we have to look at. And there are ways we have, you know, on our, um, standard detailed sheet for uh, sheet pile repair you know i do show some of these typical details for when you have to go in the other direction like span these horizontally but you know um, uh, we clearly we cannot uh, cover all of the cases in those so so if there are you know if there are some specific applications we can look at those and you know come up with a well, i would say it's definitely something to reach out to us about because uh you yeah, know, th those are uh, in cases like that. We definitely will look at it and see what's possible, and you know if it, if it's a possible fix or not. But that is definitely something that when we yeah. when I get a call for the seawall, I do ask about the dead man and those things, uh, just to see where we're at. Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, again, and please. You know, go look at our, you know, our uh, YouTube channel. We have the, all of these past podcasts also uh, posted there. You know, we... Uh, Pilemedic.com. Yeah, Pilemedic.com. You can go there and... There's a know, lot of info on Pilemedic.com and it's very mobile friendly. Yeah. I mean, so even going on your phone, we made it mobile friendly. So uh, take a look at it. Uh, we do post videos and stuff like that. So, um, and then feel free to reach out to us uh, <laughs> whenever. All right. Thank you so much. Have a yeah, great day. Thank and you guys for hope all. This is a great, a great new year for all of us. Thank you.